Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So can you still hunt turkeys on small properties? And if you can, what are the best ways to do it in order to be successful? I'm going to answer those questions and more on this episode. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today we're going to talk about hunting turkeys on small properties. Now, I myself do not prefer to hunt turkeys on small properties, though I have done it a great many times because I have small properties available to hunt on. I'd rather cover a lot of ground. I'd rather be out there able to walk for miles. I'd rather be able to spend a whole day scouting an area. You know, that's my preference, but that is not always what I'm able to do. Uh, Especially lately, after a couple years ago, I lost one of the bigger properties I was able to hunt on. It's been more and more small property hunting and public land hunting if you want to go out for... For bigger areas, but even a lot of the public land places that I have available to hunt, they're just small pockets that might be reasonable turkey habitat. So it's still a lot of the principles of hunting on small properties. If I want to really hunt big land, then I've got to I've got to get in the car and I've got to put some miles on the road. So depending on you know how you hunt and how you're able to hunt, I like to sometimes go out before work. Well, I can't drive an hour, hour and a half to get to the spot and then an hour, an hour and a half back. That's just not going to work. So a lot of times, there's a lot of reasons why you might hunt small properties. That's what you have. You might have, uh, you know, condition, disability, something where, you know, you can't travel far. You can't hike a lot. You're not able to, to get, you know, deep in the woods or work hills or things like that. Maybe you've got little ones with you and, you know, they're just not up for it. Or, you know, there's a whole variety of reasons why you might want to hunt small properties, chief of which being that's the opportunity that you have. 
So can you still hunt turkeys on small properties? Absolutely. I have, I have taken turkey on small properties and I've had a lot of fun chasing turkeys on small properties. So you absolutely can do it. You can be successful and you can have a lot of fun doing it. But it's a different kind of hunting than what you're going to hear on, you know, most of the hunting books, most of the outdoor shows, most of the famous celebrity hunters and, and tutorials and magazine articles and things where people travel and, you know, hunt these mountains and whatever might be. It's a different kind of hunting. You got to think differently. You got to approach it differently. Most of these things I was not able to learn through research. I had just had to hunt small properties for years because I just couldn't find reasonable information out there that was specific to small properties. You know, most of the, even the, the, the big time turkey hunters that I know with 30, 40 years of experience, they're used to hunting seven, 800 acre properties. They're used to hunting thousands of acres of public land and ranches and things like that. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. That's helpful. That's perfect information for certain kinds of hunting. But when it comes to small properties, only so much of that is helping me. So you absolutely can do it, but it's a little different. So where do you get started in hunting turkeys on small properties? Well, first and foremost, there's got to be turkeys somewhere, right? You can't hunt turkeys if there are no turkeys. Um, you know, the more land you have able to hunt, the higher chance there's going to be turkeys on that land. If you're hunting three acres, then, you know, they're either around or they're not. You can't, you know, hike half a day trying to find them. So there's got to be turkeys. They don't have to be on your property now. This is a misconception. You don't have to have turkeys on your property to hunt them. They just have to be near your property. They've got to be within earshot of your property. You've got to be able to hear them and they've got to be able to hear you. Now, there's always a chance, right? There's always a chance if you were in the turkey woods, you know, there's a chance that there's a turkey a mile away from you and he's going to travel to another spot a mile away from you. But over the course of that day, he might, his, his line of movement might come close enough to your property where he could hear you or something like that. Or a turkey gets bumped by another hunter on a property far away and and ends up, you know, just, uh, you know, discombobulated and, and out of his regular routine. And now he's near your property for a day or two. There's always a chance, right? But I don't know about you, but I have spent a lot of days hunting. There's always a chance uh, areas and uh, I don't want to hunt like that anymore. Uh, I want to see or hear a turkey as many times as I go out as possible. You know, I know it's hunting. You're not always going to see or hear a turkey. You're not always going to see or hear anything. But I want to maximize the opportunities that I'm going to see or hear a turkey. So I want to set everything up, do everything I can, do all the research I can do in order to put myself in a position where I have a, a reasonable chance of success. And success is not just taking a turkey, it's having fun. But if you go three weeks and you don't see or hear a turkey, fun's going to become difficult. So you got to make sure there's going to be turkeys around you. And there's a few ways to do that. And the number one way to scout is binoculars. Get out your binos, look around, see what you can see. Anytime you're around that property. If you live on the property, 
all the easier. Just go over to the window every now and then, particularly in the morning, and uh, take a gander, take a look around. Most comfortable thing you can do. Stay inside where it's warm. Doesn't matter what the weather's doing. Just keep an eye out. Uh, drive around if it's a property that's not close to you. Just, you know, glass it every now and then. On your way to work, on your way home from work. Just take a look about. You don't have to get out of your vehicle. Just gander. Second way, listen. Especially if you live on the property. Turkeys, gobblers especially. You know, how do you want to hunt them? You want to hear them gobble, know where they're at, find the right tree, set up, and try to call them in. So if you can get out there in the morning, it doesn't have to be half a day, and just, you know, uh, know, find legal shooting hours, and get outside 20 minutes before that, and just sit and wait till half hour after dawn. If there are gobblers around, uh, there's a great chance that you will hear them in that window. That's that's the prime time. From a, while, a little bit before legal shooting to a little bit after dawn, if they're around and, and they're gobbling, you're going to hear them. Now they're not always around. They're not always gobbling if they are around. But you know, if you can do that for a few days, doesn't even necessarily need to be a few days in a row, but if you can do that for a few days, then you've got a reasonable chance of hearing birds if they're around. Um, but anytime you're outside in the morning, especially before the season, oftentimes, I don't know where you hunt, but where I hunt, you hear maybe more turkey activity in the morning before the season than during. You know, you'll be able to figure out, are there birds around that are close enough? And the, the beauty of a small property is, you know, you don't have to hike to one side of the property and spend a day listening or an hour listening and hike to another side. I mean, just find the best listening post, the, the wherever you can be where you can hear the furthest, higher altitude, thinner tree cover. If you've got a porch, it might be that porch. You may probably have set up the house so that you've got a good view from the porch, good acoustics. Whether you, you meant to create a turkey listening post or not, it may very well serve that way. Or if you've got a deck, especially a deck. A deck is real nice because you're off the ground, you're elevated, you've got bars around you, uh, some kind of railing. You can sit back, there's some cover. Even if there are birds that are close, you're, you're not like as likely to spook them. And just listen. If they're around, if you hear them, you know they're close enough. Um, and you don't need to travel a lot. You don't need to put a lot of leather on your boots. That's, you know, one of the benefits of hunting small properties. You know, there's plenty of drawbacks, but that's a benefit. Number three, get on the ground, look for sign, look for turkey tracks. That's usually the easiest thing to find, the easiest sign to determine if there's birds around. The bigger the track, the greater the chance it's a gobbler, the smaller the track, the better the chance that it's a hen or jake. Um, But if you have tracks, period, turkeys, period, are a good sign. Usually if there are hens on a property, they're going to be toms not that far away. They're going to be toms within earshot of the hens. So if you have any turkey traffic at all, you've got a reasonable chance. And you know, do not discount hunting jakes. I know a lot of people in a lot of places of the country and in the hunting community are anti-jake hunting. And, uh, you know, you're not really turkey hunting if you're not hunting a gobbler. Yeah, well, you know, there may be certain states and certain areas where, you know, you might, 
You, you might sit and let a dozen jakes pass before a good gobbler comes in, but I have gone seasons in a row without seeing anything or having anything get close enough to where you'd be thrilled to take home a jake. Um, you know, don't discount anything. You know, where you hunt and what's around and how easy it is to hunt there, that's going to determine what, what, you know, what your opportunities look like. In western Pennsylvania, which... I've had master turkey hunters tell me it's the hardest place in the country to kill a turkey. Um, you just, you, 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 there, you, the thought to be picky doesn't even enter into your brain. You know, most turkey hunters don't get a turkey out here, it, period. Anything. Don't see, don't get that opportunity even. Now, there are places in the Midwest where, you know, people have said essentially if you walk outside and, you know, you, you you get an old wire fence and creaks a little bit, you're liable to call in half a dozen birds. And of course, that's probably not really the case, but the point they're trying to make is, you know, they could kill a turkey, you know, 60% of the time they go out. So for them to take a small one is, you know, it's like, why would you do it if, if you could hold out and get a bigger one, you know, the next day? But in a lot of places, it's not like that. And for a lot of new hunters, it's just not like that. So don't discount taking a Jake. Um, it's it, I, I would absolutely fact if well I've said it. So let's keep moving. Look for sign. So you got your turkey tracks. You want to look for scratchings. You want to look for droppings. You want to look for any sign that turkeys have been there. If you can find areas where where they have uh, you know strut zones, they've been rubbing their feathers on the ground, looking for feathers. You know, if you find a feather from a turkey, yeah, that came from something. And um, But if you do find a feather, look around that feather, do a perimeter search, try to find more sign. Try to figure out, okay, what's going on? There ought to be tracks somewhere nearby, right? If that turkey left a feather, it had to come and go somewhere. Maybe there was more than one. You know, try to figure out whatever you can. Now, if you're new to turkey hunting... You know, tracks and feathers are going to be the easiest sign to distinguish. Droppings, you need to, you know, jump online, just do a Google search, turkey droppings, do an image search, get yourself familiarized with, uh, with the different ways that droppings look in terms of scratched areas. It basically looks like somebody went in there with their finger or just a little, you know, coat hanger and just started, you know, just moving leaves around looking for stuff that was under them harder to pick out. But if there were turkeys there scratching, then there are very likely turkeys there leaving footprints or droppings. And in the springtime is the best time of the year to find footprints because the ground's the softest, usually have regular rain in a lot of parts of the country. So, you know, though between those three techniques, you should be able to determine, one, if there's turkeys on your property or near the property. Now, listening is going to be the best way to determine if they're near the property. If you can only scout on the property, then look in for footprints and feathers and droppings and scratchings. You know, that's only going to matter if they're physically on your property. So you could scout for, for sign, and if you don't find any, that still doesn't mean the property is a bad place to hunt or that your chances are real low. It just means you have not found any significant turkey traffic just means you haven't found it still doesn't mean it's not there just means you haven't found it on the physical property 
But like I said, your best chance is going to be calling a turkey from the other properties because if you only got two, three, five, ten, twenty acres, twenty I think is even borderlining a little bit on the bigger side for. But if you've only got that much land, well, from any position you call, you can be heard from, you know, depending on where you're sitting, two, three hundred yards. Sometimes you can be heard five, six, seven hundred yards, depending on the terrain, depending on the acoustics. So you can hunt the edge of a small parcel, uh, and then you can be heard, you know, across more ground than you have to hunt. So those are things you can do. Next part. You got to figure out where are you going to set up? Where are you going to hunt? Now, if there's sign, you want to set up near the sign, right? If you've heard turkeys, you want to set up in the direction that you've heard them. But you've got limited land to work with. So you've got to find spots that you can set up. Now, if you've only got an acre or two, you could know every tree, every bump, every every little change in terrain that's on that property. You could know them like the back of your hand and name them and know every place you could possibly set up and sit and, and all those things for every scenario. You get a little bigger than that, that becomes more problematic. So what you want to do is you want to figure out areas. You say, okay, I know in this area there's there's bunches of trees I can set up on. I know in this area maybe there's some boulders you could set up near. You know in this area maybe there is um, whatever terrain feature you could use to, to sit in or, or lay low in or you know maybe a tree's falling down. You could hide in the little trench from the root dugout. You want to know what areas around that property you can you could set up in. And you don't want to wait for the season to do that. That should be part of your advanced scouting. Figure out where could I set up. When I come in to hunt in the morning, where am I going to go? Where's my best place to listen? Now, if you live on the property, the best place to listen could be your front porch. You might sit in a chair decked out in camo with a backpack and a cushion. or Probably not a backpack if you live there with a shotgun and a cushion sitting next to you, just waiting till you hear something and then moving in that direction to set up. But if you don't live on the property, then you got to find where am I going to go when I get there? Where's the best place to listen? Where's the best place to sit? And then where can I set up on that property if I hear turkeys in that direction? Because remember, you gotta, you're trying to get the turkey within 30 yards of you. So even on just a couple acres, you need options. You know, you may not need to know every tree, but you need to know, okay, if there's a turkey on the west side off the property, then I know there is a grouping of trees over here, and I could probably find one and set up on, depending on what angle and what direction I'm hearing them. So you need to be familiar with the property and where you can set up before you're out there in the dark trying to figure all this out. You know, sit down, bring... You know, bring your chair, or your cushion, or your if you got a turkey vest with a pad on the back, you know, bring that out with you. Sit in a few of these places. Look at what are my vantage points. What can I see from here? You know, ideally, the way I like to set up can't always do it, but the way I prefer to set up is wherever I'm sitting. I don't want to be able to see more than about 35 or 40 yards. That's my preference. I don't want to be able to see a turkey until they're within shotgun range. And I don't want that turkey to be able to see me until they're within shotgun range. So 
Now, some people like to set up where they can see a couple hundred yards and they can see them coming. And, you know, there are benefits to that. But to me, the liability of that turkey seeing you, especially if you're a new hunter and your, your, your hide's not great, your stealth's not great, your camo's not great, your ability to sit still without, you know, moving, twitching, blinking, or shifting because your rear end's starting to hurt is not great, you know, then your chances of spooking that bird at 200 yards increase really high. So I would rather, if I can, set up in a place where terrain, brush, cover, trees, hills, knolls, whatever, limits my visibility from the ground. Maybe standing up I could see pretty far, but from the ground, I want to to have you know, nice 30, 35 yard, maybe 40 yard view. And then something's got to come into that view for me to see it or it to see me. And also that helps a little bit where if a gobbler can't see you, he's more likely, if he can't see where the call's coming from, he's more likely to come in than if he can just look right at the tree and see, oh, there's nothing there. So those are tactics. Now you can't always do that. It's not always going to work. You never know exactly what angle the bird's going to come from. You, you, ne- you often won't have the perfect terrain features available once you locate a bird or a bird starts coming in. But that's sort of the goal. And if you scout in advance, if you sit down at some trees in advance, if you sit in some different areas in advance, then you can kind of figure out, okay, where might be a reasonable area to set up? You, you don't want to be scrambling and trying to figure this out on the fly because, again, small parcel, options are limited. If you've got big land, if you've got a hundred or a thousand acres, you know, there's a lot of different things you can look for and find on the fly. You've got options, but when you're limited by property borders, you, you, you have to plan a little bit better. And you also have the advantage of being able to plan a little bit better. So it's not an all, all downside. Uh, so you got to find a place that you can set up. Now that may require setting up a blind. Um, you know, depending on if you've got a big field and, and there's just brush all around it and you don't have any good trees, you might need a blind. If you've got areas where there's just, you know, lots of trees, lots of cover, but nothing bigger than two or three inches across, you, know, you want to sit down and lean up against a tree that can mask your silhouette. So if you don't have any trees big enough to do that, or you don't have any terrain features or rocks or anything you can use to help do that, um, you know, or even a tree that's up against a bunch of brush, even if it's a small tree, the brush can help. You need something. But if you don't have that, you might need a blind. And when I say a blind, most people think to, you know, big box blind costs one, two, three, four hundred dollars. And of course, I like to hunt out of box blinds. I do. I like to hunt out of them with the mesh up. Uh, I feel almost invisible when I do that. I've had turkeys within five or six feet just hang out and feed for 30 minutes. Had no idea I was there. Of course, they were hens and you couldn't shoot them. But, um, you know, I've had deer five or six feet away just hanging out, feeding, looking around, you know, just enjoying their day. Had no idea I was there. Uh, you know, you just can't, you just don't get that sitting up against the tree. So I enjoy hunting out of a blind. I do. I don't enjoy being stationary and rooted when I'm hunting turkeys, but on a small property, that may be a good option, but there are other kind of blinds available. You could get a little stake blind. It's just literally four stakes with, you know, camo cloth or mesh in between them. You just set them up in a little arc in front of you. 
Maybe you get into some cover with, you know, big thick cover behind you. Briars, you know, junk, just stuff that you can't even get into, but you, you, you have that behind you. You're sitting on a little stool or a turkey chair and you pop up some of that, uh, you know, just a little steak blind in front of you. And, you know, those can cost 20, 30, 40 bucks. And they're very mobile, very portable. They're way like a pound or two, easy to, to set up, easy to move. They don't make any noise to set up or move, really. So you, and they're very adjustable. You can raise them up often, lower them down. They're cost, they're cheap, and they, they can work really well. So things like that could be helpful and useful to, for you depending on where you're at and what's legal to hunt with in your area. So don't, don't you got to think outside the box if you got a small property. And you could leave that there, right? You could just leave that there. You don't have to pack it and put it up every morning necessarily. Depending on where you're at, maybe, you know, maybe the landowner doesn't want you to leave stuff. But, you know, that's an inexpensive, highly portable, light, don't need a pickup truck for option. Now, of course, most box blinds, they'll fold up into something you can fit into the trunk of even a small car. I have a small car. My blind fits in there and you know, it's not a problem, but it is still more work to set up. You got stakes and tie downs and all this stuff. You got to do it in advance or a little four stake blind. You can just carry in with you the morning of, if you need it, you set it up real quick. If you don't, you don't. So that's an option. Um, another thing though about this is, you know, when you're actually hunting the turkeys, okay, you found the different areas that you could hunt from depending on where the birds are, you know, you might find yourself in a scenario where, okay, there's a big field on one side of the property and the property you're hunting from, maybe, maybe a, a little corner of that field you can hunt, right? Maybe just a little corner of that field you can hunt. But the rest of the field, whatever, 50, 60, 500, 600 acres, you know, you can't hunt that. And of course, the turkeys are in the big field you can't hunt and you can't get them into the little corner that you can hunt. Well, in that case, you might want to consider some decoys. I'm not a big decoy person. I don't really like decoys very much. I have some decoys. I have some nice decoys. I have some cheap decoys. And of course, most of them I bought at times that were inconvenient and shouldn't have been spending money on hunting stuff, as is the case with many hunting purchases people make, and uh, thinking they would help me more than they did. And here's what I've found with decoys. Um, number one, in certain situations, at certain times, they can be really helpful. In other situations and times, eh, they're value neutral, may help, may not help. In others... They can provide a big negative. And I'm going to do a, an episode, I think, in the future on the liabilities of using decoys. But what I've found is, you know, turkeys may usually like or, or are neutral to decoys. Deer, on the other hand, hate turkey decoys. At least where I hunt, they hate turkey decoys. And you could set up a turkey decoy, and before the birds even get there, deer coming by, they see that thing, they stare at it. They'll come out, they'll stomp their foot, and then they'll start snorting and wheezing, and everything within a couple hundred yards is done. It's over. That hunts, you might as well just pack up and move uh, if you're hunting local birds. Because nothing's coming in after deer start snorting and wheezing, and they hear it. That is like the siren of the, of the woods, something's not right. And uh, deer will circle, I have found, for a half hour or an hour, just continually wheezing and stomping every few minutes 
angry about this decoy. And I don't mean that's just happened one or two times. It has happened to the point where I would just not take decoys if I have any reason to believe there will be deer in the area. But there are times when decoys can be helpful. Like if you're hunting, you've got a little corner of a field that's yours that you can hunt versus the rest of the field that you can't hunt and you're trying to get those turkeys in, you know, you might set up a blind in the corner of the field and then you might put out a couple hen decoys. And if you've got, uh, you know, some, you know, lone gobbler or Jake sees those hen decoys, might be enough to pull them in. Now, if you've got a gobbler or a couple gobblers and they've got, you know, several dozen hens or more, chances are your little couple hens aren't going to pull them in. And if you've got the resources to get dozens of hen decoys, I would say you probably should be spending your money on other things in order to up your game more because that's that's a lot of money and a lot of work and a lot to carry. And uh, yeah, but you know, usually just a couple decoys is all you need. But you're probably not going to pull those those toms in. And even if you had a dozen decoys, still probably wouldn't pull them in. So you might need to put out a Jake decoy. And the tom would say, hey, I've got a bigger party here. I don't need to go down there. But if it sees somebody encroaching on his territory, you might provoke him to come and teach that Jake a lesson. Doesn't always work, but when hens fail, putting the Jake out there might be enough to, to you know, to anger the Tom, think someone's on their property, and then they're going to come in and, and, you know, try to push that Jake out. And of course, you're sitting there waiting for him. So those are tactics that could work in that scenario. In that circumstance, decoy use might be the best thing, might be the only thing that you could use to pull those birds in to cover that distance and to come over to you. Um, so you got to think like that. And again, I've done episodes in the past on decoys, and I'm going to do more. And you know, we're going to talk about that so you can get more understanding there. But this is just an overview. So you've got all this going on. Now you may have places where. Um, you know, you just don't have anywhere to hide. You're in the woods, the cover's too thick. If Even if you set up a blind, you can't see far enough to matter. I've not done it, but I've known people that have hunted turkeys out of tree stands. And that is an, an awkward thing, but it can be effective. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things you have to keep in mind though is if the bird starts coming in, you have to stop calling. If the bird gets close enough and then hears calls coming from the tree, not so much it's going to spook him, he's going to look up. And then you're sitting there, you know, all bederp derp and then, you know, show's over. So if you're hunting from a tree stand, which you might do depending on the terrain and the situation and, you know, maybe you've got trees that are big enough to support a tree stand but not big enough to lean against. Or if they are big enough to lean against... The topography of the ground at the base of the tree, you can't see nothing. Or maybe you're too exposed. So maybe you climb up in your tree stand that you didn't set up for turkey hunting because that would be crazy. But maybe you've got one there for deer season. And hey, whatever, give it a shot. The way I would recommend you do it if you're going in in the morning, I might put decoys at the base of the tree. This might be an opportunity to use some decoys. Because you climb up the tree, you're going to call a little bit. 
And if those gobblers are interested and they start coming in, you want them to find something that they can see. And if they can see those decoys at the base of the tree when they get close, then they're less likely to look up and look for this odd call that kind of sounded far off the ground. So that might be an opportunity to use some decoys. Now, if you're in a field and you have uh, you know, one of those tree stands that's uh, you know, up on metal posts or something, uh, the, the, the right term's escaping you, but you know what I mean? It's a, basically a box blind that's elevated off the ground. You put some decoys on the ground under that, then you know, that may have a slightly better chance of working something like that. Again, this is what you have. This is the land that you have. This is the opportunity that you have. You're trying to make the most out of it. If you're hunting in the middle of the mid-morning, you're coming into an area, you know, after fly down time, after you've got full brightness, you know, the, 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 the turkeys are on the ground. Cause again, you know, in the early morning, toms are in the tree. Everybody's in a tree. So for you to call from a tree, isn't weird. And then you know, depending on the topography and how far they are, they may not be able to tell you're still in a tree when they're far away. But as they get closer, then, you know, the jig is up. You know, if, they, if, they, if it sounds like you're in a tree, again, they're going to look and they're going to see you and you're going to be busted. So another thing you could do if you're coming in after full light, after the birds are out of the trees, you could come to the base of the tree, put out some serious calling, you know, really scream out there, you know, do some long sets of calling and then climb that tree as quiet as you can and stay kaput and don't call anymore. And if there were birds around, if they hear that call, that enticed them, especially if they responded and gobbled and they start coming in, they're going to come into the base of the tree. They're going to be looking at the base of the tree because the call came from the base of the tree. They have no reason to look up because you didn't make any noise from up in the tree. And of course, you got to be extra careful hunting turkeys this way because they're coming to you. You know, deer are usually going by you. They've got no reason to look up. They haven't heard anything over there. Turkeys, they're coming to a call. They're, they're you know, using their eyes to see anything they can in that direction. But your odds are, are better if you call at the base of the tree once the birds are already on the ground and then climb the tree and be quiet. And again, I'm not saying that's a good way to hunt. I wouldn't hunt that way unless that was the best prospect on the property. You know, if the if the acreage is small, if the cover's bad, if the hide's bad, if the visibility's bad, if if whatever number of factors are just poor, there could be a time when a tree stand is a reasonable option because that's what's available. Um, so I would prefer to hunt from a tree or you know, on the ground, leaning up against the tree or from a blind. And people say, okay, well, what do you sit on? Well, I, I've got two main approaches. I've got a turkey vest that I got when, you know, years ago when big store was going out of business and I got it 60% off and I was thrilled and it's got a fold down cushion on the back. That's my favorite. And that's my favorite because it weighs almost nothing. I don't need a backpack. I don't need to carry in a chair. Self-contained. I can sit down anytime, wherever I want, making almost no noise. And it's super comfortable for an hour. After an hour, it's not so great. After two hours, it kind of sucks. Um, but that's what I wear when I'm hunting and I'm going to be moving with any regularity. 
if I'm going to be, you know, on the go some, because you're not likely to sit that long. Now, when I'm hunting on a small property, chances are you're not likely to make many moves. So I've also got a, a fold-up turkey chair. I think I got it on Amazon. You can get them at big box stores, you know, Cabela's, Dunham's, Academy, um, you know, whatever you've got near you, you can get stuff like that. And it's just a little fold-up turkey chair. You you sit about four inches off the ground, um, you know, real low, keeps you down low, which is exactly what you want, which for me also doubles as a duck hunting chair and at times even a deer hunting chair, depending on the situation where you're at, which has been real useful. I have a friend of mine who picked one up on sale, got a great deal on it, but it was painted red from the factory which is the worst color you can walk into the turkey woods with. Uh, reason being, turkeys can see red and it spooks them. Hunters can see red too because turkeys have red on their heads and it draws them in. So now you have a chair that spooks turkeys and attracts hunters, which is the worst case scenario. But he just got some black spray paint, spray painted the red parts black, chair was cheap, spray paint was cheap, ended up working out. You got to think outside the box. So I like, I could sit in that chair for hours. You know, so that works good if, if you're in that kind of a situation. But, you know, you could get a little cushion that you just sit on for 10 bucks. You know, a little, a little hunting cushion or a little piece of foam. You got a workout mat. You can just cut it, double it up, tape it together and sit on that. There's lots of things you can do that are cheap, that are inexpensive. Think outside the box. And again, you, you shouldn't need a whole lot because you're... You shouldn't need to worry a whole lot about how big it is or how heavy it is because you're not going far. You know, I don't take that turkey chair when I'm on public land covering miles because it weighs about eight pounds. It's like carrying another shotgun. It's a little bulky and, you know, it's fine to pack in and set up and sit down for the day, but to carry it for miles, it's just like, oh, I'm not going to do that. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to wear a vest or I've got a little, um, you know, a little fold up seat and back cushion that weighs maybe a pound, has a strap on it, hardly know you're carrying it. Things like that are all options. So, you know, you, you, you've got this uh, situation and set up. Now, then you got calling. How do you call differently on a small property? Well, chances are you're not going to be moving much. So you don't want to call a whole lot. A lot of people, you know, if they're running and gunning, they'll walk a few hundred yards, sit down for a couple minutes, call, sit for a couple minutes, listen. If they don't hear anything, they get up, they're going a few hundred yards more. So they're calling every 15 minutes. Well, that can be way too much if you're just sitting all day on a small property. If you have reason to believe there are turkeys nearby, if you hear them in the morning, you cannot call every five minutes. You will spook them, you'll put them off. It's just not natural. Hens aren't calling that often. It's just not gonna happen. You're, you're gonna become a negative. So in the morning, you want to match or only slightly exceed the, the cadence and calling of the morning. Now, if you hear other hens, you, you may need to call more. You might need to try to call over them. Uh, now, if turkeys are gobbling a lot, you can call a lot. If they're not gobbling much, I wouldn't call a lot. You want to try to match the gobbler's cadence and, and how vocal he's being. But I would always tend to, on small properties, call less than more. Unless you're competing with, for other bird, with other hens, I would not call that much. You get in there, if you've located a bird, you might put out a few calls, 
you know, we've done episodes on calling and I think we'll do more. So I don't want to get too far into it. But, you know, early in the morning, you can call more. As the day goes on, um, I would call less often. Every half hour, every 45 minutes. Unless, okay, so here's the thing. If you're in a good setup, that's the way you want to do it. If you're in a bad setup, you've got no idea if anything's around. You may be trying to call to birds who are traveling, who are walking near the property. So maybe every 15 minutes could be reasonable. Um, But if there are birds around, then that could be too much. So you really got to think, okay, if there's birds around and they hear this calling nonstop, that's going to be a clue. It's going to be a turnoff. It's going to be a, hmm, something's gone weird over there. Because hens just don't call all morning nonstop. They just don't do it. You know, oftentimes you hear nothing. Then every hour or two, maybe, you might hear a hen call. But then chances are they're moving on. They're not sitting there just calling, you know, throughout the morning. So you don't want to call too much but if they're if you're trying to get birds that are traveling near your property then you might have a reason to call more often but it's just it really depends a lot on what's going on how you're trying to hunt what birds you're trying to hunt but if you if you think that the birds are hearing you every time you call don't call that much call less Uh, chances are if they don't come in early you don't get a shot early then those gobblers as the day wears on they do their business the hens go back to their nests. Now they're looking again. They will often remember those calls and come and investigate later in the morning. So you want to sound natural. But if you're hunting birds that you don't think are hearing you every time you call, because maybe they're just not there yet, they're traveling by, then maybe calling more frequently matters. So those are some of the basics. You've got finding out, are there turkeys around this property? Learning the property, where you could set up or hunt figuring out where you might come in and and initially set up, how to call, how to decoy. Uh, And I'm sure there's more which we can maybe cover in a future episode. But this is sort of an overview of how to hunt turkeys on small properties. Oh, oh, and a big one. Know when to cut your losses. You know, if you've got a few days on a property and you get no action, you're hearing nothing, you're seeing nothing, go somewhere else. Don't spend the whole season there. <clears throat> what I like to do is rotate. I've got, you know, two small properties I can hunt on. You know, one's real small. And there is some public land. So what I like to do is on Saturdays, I will hunt the small properties that are private because there's usually more hunters on private land. And then if there's action on those properties, I'll stick around. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then during the weekdays, or if I'm going out before work, uh, I might go a little. I might go to some of the public land because there's less likely to be hunting pressure there during the week, and I might hunt there some. But I'm looking for where is their action? Where are the birds at? Don't just keep going to the same spot and the same property over and over. Even if there are birds, they will. You know, they're just like, okay, there's a turkey there every morning at this time, and they still don't care. Maybe you need to move. Maybe you just move, you know, 100 yards. That may be enough to change things up even on that property. But know when to move. You know, if you're not getting action for days, you may need to move on that property. You may need to try to find another property. Uh, another thing can be the season changes. 
Turkey's movement patterns change as the season progresses. So in the beginning of the season, there could be turkeys in one area and they're gone after a few weeks. Also could be the beginning of the season, there's no turkeys in an area because it's wide open, there's no cover. And then as the spring comes through, as, as May or whatever month your season is, things start to green up. Now turkeys are in that area because they're more comfortable to be there. So you could have a early season small property. You could have a mid-season or late season property. You need to, to just keep an eye on that. You need to be mindful of that. Sometimes, you know, I'll hunt one property, you know, once a week, every week, just trying to see, okay, if there's no birds here now, maybe next week they'll have moved into that area. Maybe the week after that. So there's different strategies you can do there. Um, if you only have one spot, and you get no action. The best plan may be just wait a few days. Try again. Wait a few days. Try again. Don't just go out every single day to nothing. But don't just grind it off for the season if after the first three days there's nothing because birds move throughout the season. They also get bumped by hunters. But the habitat changes, food sources change, cover changes, so the birds move and the birds change. So don't be discouraged because there's nothing there opening day. Two weeks later, you might very well have birds nearby. Uh, so if this has been helpful for you guys, I really want to encourage you to go to iTunes uh, and leave us a review. Leave a, you know, There's no way to get this podcast in the more people's hands than I know of than to leave five-star reviews with comments. It's not that I need positive reinforcement. You know, That is not anything about it. I'm just trying to get this show, this content to more people. And the more reviews that we get iTunes recognizes that the algorithm shows our this podcast to more people when they're searching and stuff. So it changes where we're at in the search results. So I really want to encourage you guys, leave us a review on iTunes. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes for this episode. Um, got more information there. Lots of episodes on turkey hunting. Turkey hunting from that we did last season. I did the season before last season that were before this episode, this season, and then that are coming up yet still. So head to the website, New Hunter's Guide, check it out. Uh, would love to hear from you guys. Send me some feedback and comments through, on, through the web form or on Facebook. I read every email that comes in. I read every comment that comes in. And if there's in any way repliable, I will reply. Love to hear from you guys. Would love questions, things that you'd like to hear more episodes about in the future or more detail about. Uh, so, you know, appreciate you guys. God bless you. Till next time, go get them in the woods. <laughs>